All right, we are back for more, as the great Stephen Piercy would sing about during Rat's heyday 30 years ago. It's a real honor to have him on my couch. But today it's a real honor because, you know, last episode we had Sophie Cooper, a waitress from the comedy store. I thought it would be good to get another view of the store and comedy in general and all the slobs who picked up on her on the DL. They don't fool me. I see all. And today we have, he's like a, he's what they call A-Rod in baseball. He's a real five-tool player. He's a comic photographer, showrunner, and I'll think of another two things to make the five tool thing going on. And probably the nicest guy in LA comedy. Uh, got so many things going on. This guy's got more projects going on than M. Emmett Walsh. Uh, put your hands together. I know it's not a girl, guys, but this guy's actually talented. So get through, get, get through the fucking process and Make it loud for the great Troy Conrad. Thank you. We can certainly talk about girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and every girl I've had on this show has been talented in one form or another. Yeah. From Tawny Katane to Sophie Cooper. I love the Sophie Cooper episode. Well, we, you know, I thought, you know, I always have comics on and uh, it's a male point of view for the most part. Uh, on the business and the comedy store and, and the heartaches and whatnot. And I'd never really had a uh, a non-comic female on. So, uh, you know, I'm always trying to, you know, get an angle for people to go, oh, this is kind of cool to hear this story. Well, it's interesting to hear how much, uh, a, a, you know, a female waitress gets hit on, especially Sophie, you know. It's really fascinating. Like she, she kind of was saying that she gets, you know, she gets that all the time. She gets hit on by a lot of guys when she's serving. Uh, it's just a thing. It's yeah. It's not just customers. It's the comics and you know, comics are like you know wild hyenas when they see a pretty girl. <laughs> it's true. We're damaged, man. I mean, I've lost every girlfriend I've ever had to the comedy store. Just, <laughs> just animals up there. And it's not just the comedy store, but I mean, the comedy store seems to uh, almost elicit games of intrigue and hide your salami. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know that going in. Yeah. You don't go uh, sit in the first couple rows of a UFC crowd and expect classy behavior. It's true. Uh, so, but it was neat to uh, have Sophie's, uh, you know, point of view. Yeah. And now we get back to the guy's point of view. I don't even know where to start with well, you. First of all, UFC. I just went uh, to my first UFC live event in Vegas a week and a half ago, and it was absolutely amazing. Which uh, card was that? This was uh, John Jones versus OSP. Uh, and. To be in that arena, it was it, look. It was everything that I thought it would be and more. Like just to be sitting in that arena. Have you you've been to a live one? I've been to a few in Vegas, uh, and I went to uh, one in Vancouver. Oh, man, uh, which was uh, I. I got to be honest with you. I like watching it uh, at home. I do too. I look. That takes nothing away from watching at home. I love watching home, but I, I at least wanted to go to one and feel that and feel the energy. And like, I just, God, it was just so exciting. And, and to be surrounded by people who are passionate about it, because for me, um, I've never, okay. I've never watched 
a sport, been into a sport my whole life, right? Like I, I know nothing about football, basketball, baseball. I don't know what season it is right now. I can't name players on teams. I don't know what teams are where. I, I, nothing. I did when I was a kid. I know nothing now. Uh, and then I had a back injury. Couldn't do anything except uh, be in severe pain for about three months. Laying over a yoga ball it was devastating. And uh, would have never watched the UFC in a million years. Hate it. If I ever saw it, I would flip the channel, turn it off. Uh, but when I was in that amount of pain, I watched people work through their pain. And it was life-changing for me. Like, I really understood the sport on such a, an amazing, deep level. And it's, I, I, I understand, I get it, how people think it's just, oh, it's just brutal guys beating the shit out of each other. Like, no, it's not that. These guys are playing chess, and they're also the highest level athletes in the world. It's oh, yeah. A I totally mean, totally uh, different game. I know John McCain, the great senator from Arizona. <laughs> from my home state. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean... I didn't think it was that big of a deal. He was in Vietnam for five years. I mean, Chuck right. Norris was there for two hours, got his whole unit out. <laughs> right now I'm slipping material into the podcast. <laughs> I'm bombing on my own couch. Oh, but uh, his famous comment was, and this is back in the first five UFCs, it was human cockfighting. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, and, right. Uh, I mean, I would say it's skilled human cockfighting because it really, I mean, it really is like, you know, uh, there's two guys or girls now in this case, uh, you go in and, uh, your well, goal is to b basically dismember the other person. Well, what, so cockfighting though, always ends with one dead chicken. And in the UFC, you have submissions. You have the possibility of a fight ending with neither person being hurt at all. Like, like, they're hurt worse in training than some fights because of the submissions. Like that's an amazing thing. Like there is no such thing in any other, you know. Oh no. I mean, it's, I mean, there's uh, no other sport by the way that has at least the possibility of just nobody's going to get hurt. Like, you know, if, if you play foot, if you play football, like there's going to be something that happens to you if you're playing, there's no submissions in any other sport like that. Yeah, no, you're right. And I love, I mean, those guys really are so skilled and, uh, you know, I took a jujitsu class once and uh, notice I said once, uh, it was like unbelievable. Just, you know, yeah, you know, the teacher was like very small and, and he's like, you know, lay on top of me. I, I'll get you off of me within 10 seconds. I'm like, but I got a hundred pounds on you. And literally within five right? seconds, he reversed the position and I was tapping. Oh yeah. He could have killed me. It's incredible. I did a couple months at 10th planet in Burbank and and that was life changing. That was like right after I got better years ago from my from my injury, because uh, I I watched the sport and I went I have to do this. Like I so I I did Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu. I still do kickboxing, but I don't I don't do uh, Jiu Jitsu anymore. But it was amazing to me just how like my body felt amazing. Like just the idea of not getting injured and still being able to play all out. I was incredible, and so it gave me that understanding. I mean, it's a, it's a game of chess, you know. Yeah, it's, a, no. it's very physical chess. Like, I love watching uh, Fabricio Verdum fight. Oh, uh, yeah. He's the heavyweight champ right now because he almost tries to sucker you into going on the ground, you know, because he's so good at jujitsu. Oh, yeah. You know, he'll like, lay there and go, hey, do you want to yeah. stop by? Like, he faked out Fedor like he was hurt, and Fedor jumped on him oh, thinking, I got him. Oh, is that what he did? I missed that. Because if you watch that fight, and, you know, it's a big deal because it was Fedor's first loss. Uh, 
you know. Wow, he conned him into, into jumping on top. Fedor kind of, you know, uh, grazed him with a shot, and Verdum went down like he was JFK in a, a convertible. <laughs> and Fedor jumped on him. And sure enough, uh, you know, he, he armbarred him. And uh, it was just amazing to see the the mind game. It's very much like roast battle, the mind game. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's other great, uh, John Jones is, uh, you know, he's, uh, although he didn't look that good against no, OSP. No, he looked really weak. That's that, like to watch that there. Like I just looking down into the ring, just, oh, I went, God, this is not, he is not at all in his game. And it makes sense about the, like, you know, I, when I, when I don't know two fighters, when I watch like, you know, when I watch the undercards. I always go, I'm going to bet against the most muscular guy who looks like he does powerlifting. And then here it was, John Jones came in. And and by the way, he might he might have lost that fight if OSP hadn't broken his arm. That guy fought three rounds with a broken arm. Pussy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those leg kicks are designed for that. I think I saw one of OSP's, uh, I don't know if it was one of his first fights for Strike Force, but uh, my friend Keith Barry was fighting on an undercard in San Diego for strike force. And it was Ronda Rousey's, uh, she was fighting, uh, Kaufman. Oh, so yeah, I, uh, OSP was on the card. Uh, and, uh, my friend Keith was like, Hey, uh, my friend Earl's a comic. And OSP was like, tell me a few jokes. And I started bombing bad. I mean, it was just like, he turned white. I was bombing so bad. Oh, so OSP's black. I mean, he's, that's right. He's <laughs> Makes the Kimbe Matumbo look like an albino, <laughs> but uh, you know, I thought he. Well, I mean, he was not, impressive. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, a three week notice. You're fighting John Jones because oh uh, Cormier got hurt, uh, and I think Cormier uh, would have beat uh, Jones. I think uh, he would have. But you know, he's you know 38 years old, man. It's yeah, he's starting to get injured a lot. That this is uh, Cormier. That's what happens, and uh, you know. Jones, uh, they legit don't like each other. So I think UFC oh, 200 do. is going to be a great fight. Yeah, uh, it's going to be amazing. I mean, UFC 200 is going to be insane. Uh, I'm gonna, I might go and buy really? an Affliction shirt and go in the crowd just so I can really? blend in. <laughs> yeah, you'll blend in with the Affliction shirt. Maybe a tap out, uh, tap out. Tap out at Hardy. Uh, sure. You know, if you're over 40, you shouldn't be wearing a shirt with a bedazzled <laughs> dragon on it. But uh, yeah, I mean, just and, and well, this Sunday I'm very excited. Uh, because the Ream. Yeah, you, which who you like, and I, uh, he's my least favorite fighter because of those, those leg hyperextension kicks. Those but Jones kicks. does the same one. I know, Jones does too, and that's, I don't like Jones either. And now, now, I don't like anybody who does those, those kicks because I think they're, they're just, I know they're legal and you can't, there's no way to make them illegal, but they're just so cheap shoddy. It's, it's like foot stomps. Like, really, that's all you got? Like, that's such a, like a shitty street fighting technique. I, I like seeing real technique. Like, I like seeing people apply. Like you don't see Cerrone doing stuff like that. Cerrone like relies on on that raw skill. Like he's just amazing. Well, it's funny. Uh, Jones is at Jackson's. Overeem and Arlovsky, who is fighting Overeem, they're both at Jackson's. Yeah. The, uh, you know, so I'm not saying Jackson uh, teaches that technique, but uh, to my knowledge, only guys from Jackson's uh, camp, uh, Jackson Winklejohn, uh, do that technique. Ugh, so uh, it's awful. Look, know, if I was in a street fight, I understand. I, I like that would be a that would be a top choice. I mean, listen, if this was UFC two where you had right. uh, Tank Abbott against Cabbage, <laughs> you, oh sure, go ahead. But you, uh, and uh, he, he died a few months ago. I didn't give him a proper R.I.P. But uh, 
rest in peace to uh, the great 800 pound sumo wrestler, uh, Manuel Yarborough, who, uh, was in UFC three, one of the great fights of all time yeah, where crazy. he fought Keith Hackney. Now Keith Hackney was maybe my size, maybe six, one, two, ten. Yeah. Uh, Manny Yarborough was uh six foot six and I think 800 pounds. Really? 800. And you talk about not going Jesus. for the muscular guy. Right. If you, in the octagon before the fight starts, you're like, this black guy's going to kill this guy. Right. And he threw one punch. He missed. He fell over. And then Keith Hackney just started karate chopping his head. Oh, broke his hand. Oh, God. And he won the fight. Oh, man. So uh, what a shock that an 800-pound sumo wrestler died young. Oh. And RIP to Kevin Randleman, too. Oh, yeah. Who? Uh, I mean, these guys, they're not quite as bad as pro wrestlers, uh, but they do die before their time. Well, the, the big guys, that's just kind of a rule of the game. Well, but I mean, you know, there was that Will Smith movie, uh, Concussion, which, you know, I, which was essentially based off the 70s Pittsburgh Steelers uh, and, and I guess the NFL in general. But the Steelers, uh, you know, I mean, Mike Webster, one of the great centers of all time, maybe the greatest, you know, died living under a bridge, uh, literally oh, wow. didn't know his name. Uh, uh, and then uh, I think they had one another Steeler offensive lineman, uh uh, Justin Strelzik uh, drive into oncoming traffic to kill himself. Uh, I can only imagine what movie they're going to make about the guys from the first five UFCs. And uh, oh yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, look at some of those fights that you know we saw UFC one through maybe five before they yeah, started. Yeah, I can't. I can't watch. Them. I've seen a lot of clips of those, but I just can't watch them. I don't I, like after the guy with the remember the I forgot what which number it was where the guy did the nut punch. Uh, well, that was Keith Hackney. That was Keith Hackney. Oh, but, a different fight, just ball shots, dude. And then- dude, just pound ground and pounding someone in the balls. That that's the mo- that's the only use for that is like if you're being assaulted. You know, like that's just that was just awful. That ma- that made me go <laughs> like, oh, this is not a sport I could watch. But but luckily, um, it was something that I I got a real appreciation for, and uh, and I'm super passionate about it. You know? Oh, it's it's just an amazing. Uh, and I grew up. I mean, I was a fan from UFC one, where like, wow, you know, you had to like they, they were kind of on pay per view, but they weren't very well. Uh, promoted and you, you know you either had to go to best buy four months later to get the vhs tapes and uh or you know underground forums on the net youtube uh yeah I mean, they were just craziness yeah it's uh, madness you know and you know the i i kind of wish they would go one night one pay-per-view go back to the old rules which they never will do but like no way class where you could see Brock Lesnar against oh. you know, Demetrius Johnson. Oh, but now that wouldn't work because because people's technique. But back then, you know, you'd get the one guy who knows just like a master in jujitsu, and he's going to beat everybody. It doesn't matter how big they are. Yeah, which know? is kind of why I like Bellator because they go for the gimmick fights. You know, Kimbo Slice against Dada <laughs> Five Thousand. Right. I, mean, yeah, Dada, I, I didn't even watch that. By the it was way. the I most amazing the fight. Like. They're both moving like two sinking battleships, <laughs> and like Dada Five Thousand had a like 
two heart attacks in the ring or something. Like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, Kimbo oh. wasn't, you know, exactly in Diaz brother's shape. But and then the next fight they had <laughs> Shamrock and Gracie and and you know you got a fifty one year old what a oh, shock man. Shamrock tested positive. Wait, he did or yeah, he did. So uh, did Kimbo. Oh, I knew Kimbo did. And Shamrock tested positive, uh, but uh, you know Bellator. I just love the way they book the wacky fights, you know, because he gets Scott Coker gets it. Yeah, you know, he knows he can't compete legitimately with the UFC in terms of. You know, he doesn't have a guy like John Jones on his roster. So he goes, I'm going to have, you know, a 51-year-old guy against, you know, however old, yeah. you know. So it's... It's gimmicky. It's a matter of time before you'll have some, like, really crazy good... There'll be somebody that joins up, some disgruntled fighter. He's going to need someone like John Jones. Right. You know, and, and then... Uh, well, they just signed uh, Benson Henderson. Uh, yeah. He got killed. Yeah. Uh, Oh, no, you're kidding. Oh, no, he got... Oh, I didn't know this. And I'm sure Dana White jacked off to this fight. Oh, no. Uh, I forget the guy's name, Russian kid. Oh, uh, well, the Russians right now are dominating. They're so brutal, man. They're amazing. This guy, uh, and of course, some guys who go from Bellator to the UFC don't do well. Like Alvarez hasn't like killed it yeah. in the UFC, and he in, in Bellator he looked like a world beater. Yeah. But uh, this guy that beat up Henderson... I don't see anyone oh. in the UFC beating him, man. I mean, oh man, he's got this great, like almost semi-cross-eyed look, like he's trying to add, you know, two and two, and he can't get there. And but he's an incredibly hard puncher, and I, I don't know who could beat this guy. But wow, uh, yeah, man, the Russians are coming. Yeah, and that who's the guy? Uh, Nurg Nurmagomedov. Oh, uh, in the uh, UFC, Habib Nur Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Uh, he's he guy's kind of my well. Uh, Cerrone's probably my favorite fighter, but but Nurmagomedov is is definitely one of my favorites. He's probably my second favorite fighter. Like I I absolutely that guy is just unbelievable what he does. The Sambo, oh that Fedor Sambo technique. It's crazy though. Like the the fight where he fought. Uh, Who's the guy uh, that he threw around the ring? His, he he got the most takedowns in uh, in the UFC from one fight. Yeah, no, he's... Uh, uh, I forgot the guy's name now. The killer. Right, right. Not uh, Condit. No, no, no. But he has the... Uh, uh, he's on. He's in the Black Zillions. He's got the, the uh, tattoo of the army of the uh, Marine dog tags on his Oh, neck. okay. I, don't, I can't I, think of his name off the top of my head. I don't know why, but uh, great fighter. I'm thinking of the guy with the chest hair in the, in the form of an a arrow. Abel Trujillo. Okay. Yeah, Abel Trujillo. He he threw him around the ring for the entire fight. I think he probably had twenty takedowns oh, yeah, in one crazy. fight, or maybe more, maybe thirty. I don't even. know. It was crazy, uh, but that was it. Was great, man. It was good, good times. Uh, roast battle was amazing last night. Last yeah, last yeah. night was an action packed battle from beginning to end, and uh, the old Negro wave. Oh, watch out! Incredible just incredible they had it was like their timing and their props everything they had it was just it was just gold well i think we all feel uh not the pressure but the uh the the expectation level for the show now that it's on comedy central is we can't have a bad show yeah it's like you, well you know. but it's also here's the thing is like if let's say some of the roasts are bad 
I, uh, w- with the exception of, I think three weeks ago, there was, there was one, there was like two battles where just, uh, I don't know what it was, but the comics, instead of having like, the, there was like the, the racist element, but it was so weird. It was just, or no, a racist. it was like a mean element, but it didn't have that comedy behind it. It was just like, it was just weird, uncomfortable, mean. But the great thing about it is if you have some battles that are bad, you guys save it. I mean, the, like the, the haters table is that, is that pressure valve. So, and then the judges too, and they're all, there's so many valves in that thing that it just depressurizes everything. So it doesn't matter if there's a bad battle. It almost helps if there is one. As I think sometimes it does. It's like almost pro wrestling. Like you need a jobber match to get the room going uh sometimes but then last night the first battle which i i gotta be honest with you i thought it was gonna be horrible because they'd never done it before uh, i i don't recall seeing either person in the room ever so usually that's a bad sign because right. uh you know you worry if, if they haven't seen the show or whatever like oh boy this is gonna be bad they have no idea what they're in for yeah that I was mean, a good it was a good battle because as great as periscope is in terms of like getting a vibe for the show it, it's you still have to be in the room yeah. to appreciate the madness and because so much of that show no matter who you're no matter if you're a hater a negro wave a judge or moses there's so many moving parts yeah that are happening instantaneously at the same time. Yeah. That, you know, you have to get a vibe for, okay, you know, Earl's going to yell out something. The judges are going <laughs> to react to it. The wave's going to do, a, you know, a visual like zinger, you know. So you got to find a way to like work your jokes. It's in a between. fast moving train. You yeah. Gotta, yeah. Which is why your uh, uh, work on it is, I mean, you capture the moment. I don't know how you do it, but you have a brain because of your other show you do, Set List, which we'll get into. But you have that eye of something's going to happen right now. Well, I there's a first of all, that machine is always moving, right? All those parts are constantly moving. And so I'm just trying to find the most interesting moments. And uh, they are provided for me in uh, in very in a very plentiful form there, there's so many things happening at once. And, uh, I love capture. I mean, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, I think it's been a year and a half now I've been shooting the show and God, man, it's incredible to, to like, just to be right up front for that and just, just catch that action. I mean, it's, I, I, I bet a million times more exciting than uh, there's probably, they probably have like 10, 15 photographers that, that shoot, ringside at the UFC there's there's nothing they're missing out because roast battle has all that and more I mean there's just like even like when Boone Shakalaka the for those of you who aren't familiar with the comedy store he's a homeless transvestite who uh, steals things and resells them for a dollar. <laughs> he steals those things? Oh, yeah. You think You're he, kidding. You think he's got a budget to buy stuff? <laughs> and he uh, sells things at the comedy store for a dollar. And I the bought, best part I was a lot of nice things. One time he stole an iPod out of a car. No. And tried to sell it back to Dave Taylor, and it was his car. Oh, come on. <laughs> so he's not the most uh, astute business oh, guy. Jesus. But you even capture his craziness. And Boone does a song before the, the card starts. <laughs> he's like the hype uh, 
I don't want to say woman, but a uh, hype thing. Yeah. And uh, you you get, he does you, Proud Mary. Yeah, he does uh, Proud Mary lip syncs and does like a dance number to it. And you even get his, you know, uh, energy and wackiness captured perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, and then you're, I mean, that's not an easy room to move around in. I mean, it's standing room only. You got to go to the judges, you know, get their shots. You can't move in there, yeah. yeah, So, I mean, it's that's what I love about roast battles. Everyone plays a part. Absolutely. And I don't think the show would be the same if you took out one of those parts. That's true. And it doesn't, you know, like even Meyerowitz's part. There was one show he wasn't there. And you think, ah, he's Changes the dynamic. Who yells battle, battle. We're not going to miss that. And it, it wasn't oh, no. as good of a show. Yeah. It, it, you, you can't take away Josh Marowitz in the back and finish him. Like yeah. Doing those little sound effect things. Like he's just like this. He just throws out these great sound effects. And Coach T with the music, it's just like sometimes I can't stop laughing at the, the stuff he puts on. It's very overlooked. Like people don't always realize like the song right now has more meaning than you think. Like the stuff that he's putting on the background, it's just, there's just so many elements that, that come together. It's just, it's just amazing. I try and explain to the show, uh, the show to people and I'll say, yeah, you gotta, you gotta come see it. And I, I always do a terrible job of really explaining. I say, you know what? I, I'm not going to do it anymore. You just got to come see it because you think it's just going to be people roasting or people being mean. And it's not that it's no. not that that's 1% of it. Oh yeah, I mean the, the roasting is in some ways almost the least important part of the show. Like, uh, and then in some ways it's obviously it's, it's called roast battle, so it's the most important thing at the end of the day. But yeah. you know, like last night, great battles. Judges were great. Yeah, uh, haters were great. That wave was amazing. Meyerowitz had a couple funny. Oh lines. my god, Meyerowitz was killing me. Coach he was on T. Fire. Yeah, uh, I mean, Coach T might be the quickest guy in the room. I know. It, Sometimes, like, how did he have that? Yeah, like someone will mention, a, I don't know, a Foo Fighters uh, reference, and instantly, and two like seconds right later, off the bat, it's a Foo Fighters song playing. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, or you know, I'll do a Kiss joke. Detroit Rock City starts playing. It's like, how did you know I was? Like, he doesn't know. So man, he's amazing. And it's just, it's an awesome uh, Jay Light. It's the, it's a know. one in a million thing. Yeah, Jay recording it all and like just all those things that have to come together for that show to happen. And it's like they all did. Like it's just a rare thing. Like you could try, you could contrive that show and try and make it. You couldn't do it. You could not contrive. Like that show had to happen organically. And then all the pieces fit just like all the, bl- like, like Tetris, you know, like it just, everything fit. And uh, and there it is. And that's why it's going to be a uh, Comedy Central show. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I remember the first time I was up there, and it was Josh Martin and Kenny Lyon arguing. I think they were going to fist fight. Jesus. And uh, Brian Moses, why don't you guys battle each other? And there's literally four people in the room. Wow. And then the next week, you know, I think two other people did it. And then, uh, you know, the third week I battled Boone Shakalaka. Really? For my first roast battle victory. Oh. And I tell people that I battled Boone, and they're like, well, that doesn't really count. Let me tell you something right now. Uh, That guy's got a wit on him. Boone ain't that easy to battle. No. And there's a top 50 rankings uh, right now. I think you can go on uh, verbalviolence.tv. Oh, if you put in roast battle Tumblr. Yeah, there's two sites. Oh, that's right. There's two sites. It's roast battle on Tumblr. Yeah. 
Is it roast battle dot tumblr? No, well, I don't, I don't remember what the okay. thing is. But if you just Google roast battle tumblr, yeah, Google roast battle tumblr. Uh, Josh Waldron uh, does a great job with yeah. recaps, and Solid. now there's also verbalviolence.tv, where I think Jay Light, Pat Barker, and Keith Carey, uh, they put out a top fifty rankings. And they also explain why each person is ranked where they're at. And uh, they did a good job. They do uh, a weekly interview with uh, one roaster and uh, weekly highlights, uh, or it might be a monthly highlight. And uh, it's a good way to get into the show. And and if you follow it on Periscope, uh, I think it's at Roast Battle. Yeah. And uh, at the Comedy Store. Uh, And it's just, it's such a. I've I've been doing comedy 16 years. I've never seen a show with such a community feel to it. Oh yeah, like, you're, when you're in that when, when you're in that room, you're just part of this community. And and here's how you can tell when something happens. You're when you when you are at a show and you're looking over at strangers, making eye contact with strangers with your jaw open. That's a different type of show. That's different than you laughing and looking at the stage and looking at the performer. You're laughing and then looking at someone else going, oh, my God, can you believe it? Like, I never think twice about that. Like, I look at everybody around me like, can we share this experience? Was that fucking amazing? Like, right. it's just so it's such a cool, connected community. Uh, it's just it's one of those things that makes a show unique. You know, something amazing happens. Yeah. I mean, I bought my uh, three friends from the gym last night, uh, oh, yeah. two girls and a guy and uh they were just blown away. Like they were like, "Wow, we got to come every week." Like it's it was. Now they picked. I mean, that was a top three show last night. Just, oh, it was. I mean, yeah, uh, it was a great. It was definitely a top show. Just everything clicking, and and they were like, "Wow, this is the most amazing show ever." So, and it's even amplified. I think like next week, Jeff Ross will be back. Oh, nice. Uh, which you know might mean a Chappelle, you know. Uh, drop in you know oh that'd be great and i mean the the really last night being as good as it was as a tribute to the show because downstairs you had a sold out main room with louis ck and i guarantee you they heard what was going on upstairs oh i guarantee you they did because usually when there's a big show downstairs roast battle is affected right because you know it's it's people oh i want to go see louis ck or i want to go see whoever is down there and like last night it was like it was almost, I'm guessing people were wishing they were up in the belly room. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I popped my head a couple of times at the Louis show and people were absolutely in hysterics. They loved it. It was great. But the, there's a different dynamic going on up in Roast Battle. I mean, it's just so much more than just laughing your ass off. Like that is, that's a great thing. But there's this other feeling that comes with it of like, you were all leaving going, we were just in on this experience together on a whole new level. Yeah, I mean, you see people leaving a roast battle show, especially like last night, and there's like, it's almost like seeing an Iron Maiden concert where they're just going, what did we just see? Dude, totally. Last night, people walked out. I heard more than one person say, I don't know, am I going to be able to sleep tonight? Like, just one person was like, I just got adrenaline. And, you know, there was was so much of that. There's just, uh, it's the kind of energy that, that makes you leave and you go, you go, I got fucking goosebumps. Let's, let's go out. Let's hang out. Like it, you know, and I was a late one last night. I think it went till what? One, one twenty, one thirty. And to see like someone like Dion Cole, who's like an A-list comic and actor 
you know, just laughing and crying. Oh yeah. And his, you know, his sister came up to me last night. He's like, who are you guys? <laughs> so it was just like, Oh man, that's, what's neat. Like when you see like, you know, like I remember when the SNL cast came and watched this once and you think they're pretty jaded. They've seen a lot of stuff and they were like loving it. Yeah. They loved it. So, uh, you know, watch for it. I think uh, we film it in Montreal just for laughs and uh, Comedy Central, uh, I'm assuming September it'll be on. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm probably going to be in Montreal for this. Like I, I actually had a ticket to go last year and uh, and then I, at the last minute I went, you know what? I, they'll have it covered. They got photographers there at JFL. And, uh, but not like I, you. I, well, the thing is, I agree with you on that. I agree. They didn't have, like, I, I never saw any photos from Roast Battle. There, I, I, there may have been a couple out there, but they there wasn't anybody really capturing the action. And I, I was hoping there would be. So, you know, um, I, I got to go this year. I want to make sure that it happens. Now, is um, Setlist going to be at Montreal? Not this year. Not Well, maybe. And maybe now that I'm going, I'll, I'll talk to them and see, uh, see what we can do. We've done, I think we did three years there. Uh, and you know, loved it. It's a great, it's a great place. The, the last year we were there was just such, it was a really difficult venue. It was, it was an upstairs r way off the main area. Right. And it was in a room that was about 130 degrees. They had this big industrial fan, one of those like six foot diameter fans that had to blow super loud, blow on the crowd. So people would stay. Right. And it was really difficult to do the show in that environment. Like it was, it was very difficult. So it wasn't quite as fun, but um, man, we've, we've had a blast up there doing a show. So, so uh, hopefully we'll make it happen again. But I mean, um, Setless is very much like roast battle. Like it, it's, in a lot of ways it is, it's the comic versus the list, right? So that, that list is designed to be your opponent. Like it's, I think of it almost like the UFC, like that, the the this these are topics given to the comics in the moment and they don't see them until they pop up on the screen one at a time audience and comics see them about the same time uh so that's just it's kind of like constant wrenches thrown at you like in that like in dodgeball where the guy's throwing wrenches and you've got to find a, a creative way of dealing with that because because what we're trying to do is throw challenges that you're not used to and what that does is like last Saturday we had a show and Graham Elwood, uh, was a great comic. He goes, man, he goes, I just got, I, he goes, I spent, I don't know how much time he was in China. He goes, I just got off on this big tour. And he goes, this just, uh, he goes, this just like lightened up my brain. Like I feel recharged now because I wasn't doing my act and I just got to, to be funny instead of saying all funny right. stuff all the time. And it's such a big difference as comics. We can say funny stuff all the time and we can get that, that laughter and applause, but, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean as much if we're not, you know, being challenged and being in the moment because that's why we got into this. We love oh, yeah. that challenge, you know? Or as Gene Simmons would say, we got into it for the pussy. <laughs> well, that too. I mean, that's a, that's a big element with any show, of course. But I mean, what may, you know, what I love about Setlist is you don't give out freebies to comics. Like, no, you know, the, the times I've done it, you think, oh, there's going to be an 80s metal reference in here to get me going. No. <laughs> but I love that. And it's trying not to do that. We try to do the opposite of that. Right. Which is why it, it, what like, how did you come up with the idea? 
So I did the road uh, and I, same thing like grandma was saying, like I got bored on the road. So I think it like, I think one week at Laughs Comedy Club where uh, it's kind of, it was kind of like a home club for me. Uh, I started this thing where I would walk through the audience. I would put on a tie before the show and I'd walk around with a clipboard and I would uh, ask people to write down weird things. I would also uh, ask them questions. Like I was taking a survey for like, oh, we're, we're doing some marketing and we're working with the radio station. But I, I'd ask them all kinds of questions. And then I would, I would set the clipboard up on stage and then... Uh, and then I would, you know, go change. And then when I got introduced later, I would go on stage. I'd pick up that clipboard and I go, all right, here we go. And I, I would just, I would do that. Like that was fun for me. Sometimes I would pass a list around. I'd say, hey, you guys, uh, I'm going to have you write the set list. And I have an audience like write down. I said, write the weirdest shit that you can. And then I would, I, I would have them pass it up to me so that they knew I didn't have time to look at it. I would have it passed up to me. And then I would just go. And that was more fun for me than doing my act because I was right. bored at that time. Um, and I liked that it didn't always work. Like sometimes I'd fall flat on my face, but cool. I, at least I took that challenge and now I'm better because my brain is going to start working. Like I can, like what happens on set list or by the way, uh, Jeremiah Watkins has stand up on the spot, which is another great improvised right. stand up show. And it's uh, audiences yelling out stuff. But those are amazing shows for comics to do. What that does is if you miss something, let, let's say you don't do uh, well on a, a topic that you want. Well, your brain is still working on that topic when you go home. Oh, sure. And, and overnight even. Like you wake up in the morning and you might have a, a piece of gold from what your brain was like. You know, it, it, it sort of spirals your brain. Oh, I fucked that up. Blah, blah, blah. Great. Because uh, me and Prevenz always say this. Um, we say half the show happens on stage and the other half happens in your head for the next 24 hours. Oh, absolutely. It's like a brain teaser game. Yeah. But it, it, it affects you. Like it, it affects your adrenaline. It affects your fight or flight mechanism. So when it, it really is like being in a fight, it mimics that, you know, like you're, when you walk off stage, you feel like this, like, I just got in a fight. Like, Oh, you know what I would have done differently. I would have done this and this and this. That's, I love hearing that. Because that means like you got the real experience out of it. Like it's not just about getting laughs, right? It's about being the best you can be and then having challenges thrown at you that you never had on stage before, hopefully. Like we give people weird shit, you know? Well, and I like the one, the hardest ones for me are when it's just the random letters of the alphabet. Oh, well, you mean the acronyms. Right. Like so some comics love those. And then some comics are like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know if I like... We've had shows where we have everybody close with an acronym. Like it'll just say, my philosophy is P-L-M-O-E. Well, what does that stand for? Like you have to decide what that stands for. Right. I, I think the one yeah. time I did it, you gave me like X was in it. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's xylophone, great. I guess. But well, you, I'm going to throw you an extra challenge. You do come up with a bit on xylophone. So yeah, like, you end up I, having it. I never would have uh, like, <laughs> thought of a, a xylophone joke. So yeah. uh, it's uh, now when, how because you have it all over the city at different venues. Yeah, we do. We do festivals. We just finished two months in Australia. Um we and we do it uh, once a month at the Improv. We have a show coming up on May twenty two. Who's on it? Um, I'm not. I don't remember who's on that show, but uh, we have fantastic lineups at all of them. Uh, 
We have uh, last Saturday of the month at Nerd Melt. And then we do some other smaller venues. We do, there's an open mic every single Friday for the last five years at Flappers, every Friday, 5 p.m. in the bar. Um, and we're Where gonna you be, do set lists? Or? Yeah, it's, it's like three topics on a big poster board. And you go up, they're right up there. And everyone's welcome to do it. We have, we have, we've had people come in that were starting and they did their first time on stage doing that. Well, I've banned myself from flappers, but I'll be, <laughs> oh, really? there. I'll be there in spirit. I, I live by, I live by flappers and I love, they've been really, they've been really great. You know, um, they make it, they make it easy and they, they are good to the comics. Um, I, uh, where else we do Rafa's, uh, the comedy garage guys, Sean Green, Paul Danke, Cornell Reed. They have, uh, the Rafa's in Silver Lake. Um, are in Echo Park. We do that once a month. Like, so we're all over the place. Uh, and it's a blast, man. Like, and I wish there were more shows. Like we're trying to get, you know, some little one nighters happen here or there because I, it's harder. It's so hard to get people in. Cause I have right now, I don't have an assistant and I always have for the, for the last few years because it's just, there's so much work on the show, you know? And with the overseas stuff, like we have, Sometimes I'll have a show in LA and then I'm also running a show remotely that's in London or Australia or whatever. So it's crazy, you know? No, oh, it's, uh, and I love watching someone like Rick Overton do it. Oh man. Rick Overton from the very beginning, he did the first show and he's a guy, he's kind of like the pace car. Like he, he goes up and then you watch him and you go, Oh good. Okay, great. Like he kind of shows you how to do the game, uh, while you watch it. And he makes it look easy, but he really does inspire the comics. Like he makes, oh, he's. I mean, he's just he's unfucking believable, legendary. He's taught me so much. I mean, he's kind of been my inspiration for like most of what I've done. When I went, uh, I knew him. I met him when I worked uh, at the Tempe Improv before I moved out to LA. And when I moved out here, we'd go to breakfast all the time. I'd say you know once twice a week we'd go to breakfast. And then I think about a year into me being here, he gave me his Mac laptop just gave it to me. And I'd never had a Mac. Like that was, that changed my, like that was it. That changed my life because that's what got me into all the creative things I wanted to do. It right. turns out I just needed a fucking Mac. Like a PC was a, to me, a machine that you, you use for Microsoft word and you've an email. Like right. I, I just didn't know I'm not a gamer. Right. So then I, I learned keynote and I learned, I learned, you know, all these things. I learned a little design and man, and that, and that sort of opened up the door for all that stuff to happen for set lists, everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a fun show to do. And oh yeah. The audience is, uh, you know, it kind of invested in it cause it, it makes their brains work. Like, Oh yeah. We have the audience do it at the beginning yeah. of each show. Because I think as a fantasy, they're like, God, I wish I could do this. I wish I was up there. Yeah. Because well, it looks easier than it is. Oh, oh, it always does. We had a, a, a real drunk guy in Australia. They do drink a huge amount in Australia. <laughs> they, there's no comparison. Uh, it's culture shock. We had a guy in the front row. I have a picture of him somewhere. Uh, he, go, he was yelling at the counter. He goes, this, I could do this. This is easy. And so me and Provenza were like, hey. Why don't you come up here and we'll just, we've never done that. We're like, come on stage. There's 300 people in this, in this room. And we had him come on stage and we gave him some topics and you know what he did for each topic? He'd look at the topic and he'd go, oh, come on, who wrote this? Come on, who wrote this? Like that was, that was all he could do. Oh yeah. It's no, you know, it's, it, it, it's 
once again, very similar to Roast Battle, where I think it looks a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, I could do that. And uh, no, you can't. Yeah, no, it is very difficult. That's why we have the audience do it for 15 seconds, just sitting in their seats up front. So we give them a weird topic and then they create meaning out of it. Because it's all about just like creating this world of like, you get to name the world. You get to name what this thing is. What does it mean? We don't know. Um, what the, like one time we gave Jeff Garland, uh, what was the topic we gave him? It was, uh, uh, hold on. It was something, it sounded like it was like a, uh, some kind of disease. Oh, it was, uh, uh, something wait hold on a second clownolingus all right now now right on its on the surface you go oh was well, that uh clowns eating each other out like is it it doesn't have to be that like you get to decide what that is like that could be an airline of clowns and now you go into what that what right. that would be like um th there's a whole bunch of things it could it could be um and lingus just means speaking it comes from from latin tongue so there's all kinds of directions and we try to make sure like with the topics like hey does this have is there lots of directions it could go um you know but we're not giving anybody an easy shit i mean although know. i think for one uh mine you gave me sandusky milk bath and, really uh, that, <laughs> i don't remember that was, that was a tea ball for me <laughs> sandusky milk bath oh my god but it's just so fun to like see comics like Overton and, and oh man just well you get to here's the thing it's it's you get to see you know we always say you, you don't get to just see the the finished material you get to see how each comic creates it so you're watching the wheels turn right um i it feels like the the genome of comedy like you're figuring out the map of like how you get from a to b and a right. to c and all that and it's really fascinating to watch it like um and everyone's lens is different. That's why, since I started doing all this photography, which is, you know, uh, when set list took me out of performing quite a bit and then photography, like all but eliminated it. Uh, but I'm passionate about both. And I start viewing it through lens. Like every comic has different types of lenses and there's so much variation in lenses and focal length and, and how much light they let in and, and, uh, you know, all the different things about cameras, they all relate to comedy to me. Right. So I love watching that. I, like Proop, the lens that Greg Proops has is so different than the lens that, you know... Um, like an Eddie Ift. Eddie Ift or Eddie Pepitone. Right. Or, you know, Eddie Pepitone. You know his lens is he's going to be angry about the thing or, you know, he's going he's gonna to make it about... Like how shitty the world is where and Proops is just going to like turn it into a sketch. Fred Willard, Fred Willard is he turns every topic into an elaborate sketch with multiple characters that you instantly see them all on stage. He talks to them. And so you see a whole scene play. It might be five minutes long and it's the most fascinating thing in the world. Well, Fred Willard's like he's unbelievable. Outside of his appearance at the Tiki Theater on Santa Monica, oh well, we all make mistakes. By the way, the, the government should uh, should be shut down over that. That was but, the ultimate sketch. Yeah, but the, that. By the way, the idea that first of all, an older guy uh, who doesn't maybe uh, know enough about the internet to know that you can you can jerk off in your own home, 
and he goes out to some theater like they used to do old school yeah. and they arrest like that's the dumb that's the most stupid thing i've ever heard in my life like the idea that that they would arrest someone over that like isn't that crazy I mean, uh, I don't know who still goes to watch porn in a theater. I know. Well, I, I, I doubt that exists anymore, but it, it does. Did. You know, on Santa Monica and Gardner, which is kind of like the seedier part of West Hollywood, there's a porno theater called the Studs Theater. Is this a, a straight place? or is it No, gay it's place? gay, okay. but they have a straight. Oh, well, that makes sense to me. They have one. It's like a multi cineplex. They have one uh, straight room, which is like the size of a closet, you know, and then the big room is oh. like. And it's just like, who goes to... Well, I mean, but if you're gay, like, then you're going to hook up or whatever and, you know, you know. But uh, I mean, I'm fascinated that people leave Yelp reviews for this place. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, that should be a show. Because I, oh. I was on Yelp, I think, looking for a place to get my car detailed. <laughs> And a little, uh, you know, like the, the side window no. was like th places you might be interested in, which I don't know why they thought I would be <laughs> interested in a porno theater. And so I like, people leave Yelp reviews for this place? And there was 12 Yelp reviews. Oh. Uh, first God. guy was like, this place smells like chlorine. <laughs> well, it's a jack off there. Uh, yeah, you, you probably hope for that. What you want it to smell like? <laughs> yeah, donut? you take away the chlorine. Yeah, it's going to smell uh, like a semen factory. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe you could do a set list there. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, like to. That'd be, yeah, absolutely. We can make that happen. I mean, just. God, that's funny though. The idea of Yelp reviews over that. I on a porno theater. Uh, but now, do you still do straight stand up? Um, whenever I look, when someone asks me to do it, I do it. But I, I don't write to people and say, "Hey, book me on a show," or whatever. I love it and I miss it, and uh, it's just a time thing, right? I don't want to say a time thing. It's a priority thing. Like I'm super busy with set list. I'm still creating other shows. We just started back with my other show, Prompter. Um, Which is what? Tell the tell the fans out there. That's uh, we're going to be back. We did. We just finished a year of that. Last year, we did a year residency at UCB once a month. This is a uh, rejected bad idea TED Talk. A terrible idea TED Talk. Uh, from it's improvised from a broken teleprompter. So you go on stage, you have no idea what your TED talk is about to be. And you go on, you talk to the people, you still don't know. You're on, you're literally on stage. There's a screen behind you. You have no idea what your talk is about, but you're still talking about how important it is to you. And then the, the, the title of the talk comes up and then a teleprompter comes on with a script and it repeatedly goes blank and weird graphs come up and you have to decide what they mean. So like an example, uh, one of like, they're, remember, they're bad ideas. One of them is uh, the looming crisis of 2025, the year we run out of things to blame the Jews for. Like, so that's the title of a talk. But that that's scrolling and then it just goes blank and you've got to finish those sentences. It's kind of like Mad Libs in a way. Right. And so it's, it's very really much fun. like set lists from the standpoint of you have to be incredibly quick on your feet. And Yeah. And yeah. Quick on your, super quick on your feet. Super high level imagination, improv skills, and you have to the hard. This is the hard part. You have to remember what the hell it was you were talking about two seconds ago, right? Because you're reading it and for the first time, and you're making it up as you go. But it's super, super fun. Um, that's that's a really like I have a blast doing that show. And and um, my I had a, an assistant who helped me write a lot of the uh, talks, Hannah Crichton, and turns out she's a brilliant writer. Uh, so 
we have, I think there's about 60, 50 to 60 talks that are like really oh, are solid ones. And so, uh, yeah, we've done the show a whole bunch of places and then I'm working on some other new shows. So all that stuff, those are my priorities, you know, between, between all the photography, all the shows, uh, that I'm developing and then set list. I don't have a ton of time to do stand up cause I chose this other stuff, but like I'm doing, I'm doing a storytelling show next week. And then of course the big debut of the photography exhibit happens, uh, at the, at the store on Tuesday. At the comedy store. At the comedy store, the uh, it's going to be the paid regular hall exhibit, hall series exhibit. So, over the last year, just over over a year, I uh, I've been taking the pictures of comics in the hallway, and uh, in the beginning, I took pictures of all comics, and then um, you know some of the paid regulars were like yeah that's uh not cool because this is like the club built on paid regulars and i didn't i didn't know that world at all like i'm still new to the store like i i i didn't like the vibe of the store when i came in like uh 8 9 years ago it was really the dark not, era. it was not yeah it was it was like just there was a negative energy to it and uh, i think i only came in a couple times and uh, it's so different now. Like, it's just run so amazingly now. And there's so much, there's not, I have to say, there's not the negativity anymore. I, I know everyone sees more stuff than I do, but it is, a, it. It, is a very, it is a very positive place in a lot of ways. And, uh, and even the big comics are, are very encouraging and, and very good to the other comics. I, I, so it's, a, it's an amazing place to be. It's a great time for the store. So, um, so then uh, once, you know, once I had all these conversations with people, uh, it became just for paid regulars. So um, I'd say for the last year, it's been only paid regulars and that's nine, 10 months anyway. And those are all going to go up. I have about 70 photos uh, that are going up on Tuesday and from eight to 10, we're going to do exhibit. This is Tuesday, by the way, this is the date is uh, the May, May the 10th, 2016. Uh, this will be out Monday the 9th. Is, oh, is that right? Okay, so, so we're talking uh, about tomorrow then in terms of uh, podcast terms. Well, in podcast world, I like to do, and there's a whole science to podcast uh, release dates. Um, I found the best day to do it is early, early Monday morning. That makes sense. Uh, because you get the East Coast people who are at work. That, oh, well, listen to it. And then the West Coast people, you know, are waking up. And, there you uh, go. I've, tried, I've experimented with Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, Saturdays, Sundays. Uh, so this will be out before that. So if you are in LA and you know where the comedy store is next Tuesday night. That's right. Tuesday, 8 to 10 PM. So actually just, I tell people come early uh, before roast battle and come see the series. It's going to be permanent exhibit. So it's going to be up there and then we'll add to it. I mean, there's certainly people that, uh, that I haven't got to uh, photograph yet. Uh, there's lots of paid regulars that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually only there on Tuesday, so I miss a lot of people. I so, mean, it's amazing. Troy's you know, photography is very, uh, he can make, uh, you know, just the most average subject matter amazing. You know, and it's just a hallway picture. But the way he shoots it, uh, just, you make us all look like stars. Ah, uh, well, it, thanks, man. Look, I, I love doing it, and it's also, you know, it, it's, a, it's an amazing place and an amazing setup to 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 see like i mean it's uh it would be hard to do that series elsewhere i've, I've certainly done lots of other fisheye photos in different places and there's some great ones but there's something just amazing that about all those headshots wrapped around the comics like 
And most, you know, there's some comics in those shots that are current comics, but most of them are not around anymore. Like they're not yeah. in the world of comedy or not alive anymore. So it's kind of like, you know, being surrounded. Like if you've ever been to like the Lincoln Memorial or something, like in yeah. a way it's the comedy version of that. Like you're, you're surrounded by these founding fathers and you just, you stand there and you just get chills and you, ah. Uh, what is such a legendary place? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, you're right. Most of the people who are on those walls don't do comedy anymore. You know, most, some are dead. Right. Uh, you know, and, you know, some just, you know, comedy's no joke sometimes. It ain't no uh, funny business. Ain't no fucking picnic. Some people quit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you it's, know. It's, it takes a lot of tenacity to stay with that. But that's what, uh, that's the only thing that you come through the other side and, you know, and you're on, on your way to greatness. Uh, Proof said it best. He said, you know, he said, the, the business can get you down. You can always take a break, but never quit. Never quit. Oh, I've thought of quitting several times. Oh, I have too. Oh, sure. You realize no one would care. We, we, by the way, we start like, so I think we met from Marvin Mary's days. Is that correct? I mean, Mar yes. I mean, I was, cause I was trying that to was figure 12 years ago. I mean, Marvin Mary's was a, uh, uh it's like the bar in star Wars. Uh, just <laughs> every unsavory character in LA comedy yes. would go there to bomb. And, yes. uh, that's where we met. And uh, been friends ever since. Yeah. Which it, is what I love about this bit. That's yeah. what I do love about the business. Yeah. Is that you meet people like you who are just genuine and, and funny and talented, but you're just a good person. Yeah. Well, look, we had a blast at that thing, man. Like, and it, I remember you were the first person to get me on MySpace. I remember hanging out at the improv and there was this new thing called MySpace. And, uh, and I was like, so what is it? And you're like, yeah. And, and you said this to me. You go, ah, just friend me and, and uh, just... Uh, just friend all my friends and you'll be set. And I was like, okay. And I literally went and did that. And that was, that was the beginning of uh, the MySpace world. That's, you know, this is probably pre Dane cook. This is pre Dane cook on MySpace. I was, or, I was ahead of the curve. You were ahead Dane. of the curve. I don't know what I didn't do that he did, but you know, welcome <laughs> well, to Hollywood. He stayed up writing uh, every person on his MySpace for, for 10 hours. But you uh, got to give him that. Uh, oh, I mean, dude, totally. I have huge respect for that. Uh, you know, I even have more respect for Dice Clay because... Uh, Why? Dice did got as big as Dane, but with no internet, basically. I mean, yeah, but... Grassroots. Right. Yeah, that's true. But I still... I mean, I respect them both, but... Uh, I, here's why, I, I guess, in terms of respect, by the way, Dice's new series on Showtime, amazing. Uh, I, I have a little more respect in terms of that situation for Dane Cook because, and not, not that I'm, a, I'm not a fan of his stand-up necessarily, but uh, to, to have that type of uh, work ethic and sit there and write fans and, you know, answer people's emails and questions and all that stuff, like, hey, man, that's that's fucking huge like huge props to that guy that makes him a in my book that makes him a founding father i mean dice definitely dice did his own thing did it his way that's his personality he's not the kind of guy who's gonna fuck around on social media and do all that shit yeah, i don't see dice running his pants oh my back. god yeah no 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 unless it's a two-word uh message with the second word being off yeah uh no i mean i'm not like the biggest dan cook fan but i mean the guy and i mean this in a complimentary way i think he's like the kiss of comics like he may not have the greatest jokes or whatever, but the way he tells them is 
Like, you know, you put on oh, a yeah. Kiss song. You're like, oh, this music's <laughs> it's okay. But then you see them play Detroit Rock City live, and you're like, this is yeah. the greatest song ever. You know, bombs going off, explosions, you know, yeah. dr- drum, the drummer twirling sticks on fire. I mean, they're the real deal. Yeah, and the thing with that is, though, I mean, that's the lesson for all for all comics. I mean, really, for anybody that has a business, you have to treat you have to treat stand up like a business. And and uh, if it takes that, like, there's no excuse anymore for not having your career where you want it to be. It's it's how much time do you want to put in? Do you want to lose a little extra sleep every night and stay up and write people back on social media and connect with people on that on that level? Well, that he did it, and that's fucking huge. And it and it. It was before anyone else was doing it. Like he sort of pioneered that. Oh, that he did. That's it's a huge amount of work to do that. I would just this is what I would do, and that's I'd be like, ah, oh, I don't want to fucking, I don't want the hassle. Like, I, I hate, I, I, I don't go on Facebook. I'm just now getting back to like Facebook and doing it now, uh, a little bit. But I had a few years where I just I didn't do it at all. You were like, off the grid, Jack Bauer well, style. Yeah, like I, I would just maybe post about a thing, and I've never, I don't, I don't check anything. I just like ah, post about a show or whatever. That's about it. Uh, but that's that's a lazy way to do it because it's essential in this business. Like you've got to do, you've got to do it all. You got to like I'm not on Snapchat right now. That's that's lazy of me. I got, I'm just. I'm not either. I'm just getting not, into Instagram. Like working. I like, love Instagram, and I didn't at first, but I was like, oh, this is a time waster. This is, now, now I, I really enjoy it. But Snapchat is a, now, it seems like it's a thing that you, we can't ignore. And Vine. I wish a lot, most comics would ignore Still Snapchat Vine? and Vine. No, I never really did it because, you know, I would watch my comic friends' Vines and, like, you know, they were about five seconds too long. <laughs> you know, there's a new thing out there, comics, called writing. Look into it. <laughs> Forget the Snapchats and the Vines and the... Wacky YouTube videos, little writing helps. Yeah, but there, there's no, there's no excuse for not making it, and you know, and 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 writing more and doing those things because you, everyone has that opportunity. Even if you have to work full time, like you, you can't start a writing group. Get get a few people together on a Saturday and just fucking like, hey, we're gonna get serious and we're gonna write. Find some other people who can focus and like everybody has that opportunity, but what do people do now? Nah, I'm going to play some fucking video games yeah. or I'm going to go, uh, whatever to whatever fucking fuck off somewhere. Roller skate. But you're right though. I mean, now it's, it's now more than at any time in the comedy standup business. Uh, your career is in your own hands. It is, you know, with YouTube and, uh, even podcast, uh, you know, you look at totally. guys like, I mean, obviously Rogan's the biggest example of, you know, and Marin. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, newer guys like Hinchcliffe uh, is, is basically got on Netflix because of his podcast being so popular. Man, uh, that's how you do it. You Follow know, that passion. You, you know, you just, uh, you know, whereas before, I think you had to rely on agencies and managers and agents to, like, yeah. get in the door. Now you can get yourself in the door. Yeah, you. Yeah, uh, there's a great author, Seth Godin. He's oh, I love inspired. him. You do the dip, dude. The dip is my favorite of his stuff. But I, I, I so a year ago, I, I, st- I did a weekend with him, uh, where it was um, life changing, amazing. Like he's he's all about getting things done, right? Like yeah, you can have all kinds of fun, creative ideas, but who gives a shit if you don't actually do them? He calls it shipping. If you don't ship them out. And shipping is, you know, shipping is going on stage and delivering a joke. That's shipping. You shipped a joke. 
even better shipping example is doing a special and recording it, putting it out there, subjecting yourself to haters and people who criticize uh, your work and, and all that stuff and, and subjecting yourself to failing all that. That's the most important stuff. If you don't do that, then, you know, you're, you're in this, in this circle of the same monotonous shit, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I read a lot of, uh, I should say, listen to a lot of self-help audio books. I love that stuff, man. I've it helps me. It. Always loved it. But all my my good friends uh, Ryan O'Neill and Jeff Danish, two legendary store comics, who were like, "Earl, listening to Tony Robbins is the last step towards total failure." That's the <laughs> dumbest thing I ever heard of. Well, they're uh, it's very cynical, but uh, it does help me. You know? And and are they at the top of their careers? Uh, guys who made amazing stuff happen. Uh, they are. Uh, they have a lot of good film. Okay. Uh, okay. And uh, they're, they're brilliant writers. Like. Whenever I have a, a a roast battle where I'm actually roasting, they're the first people I call. Oh, nice. Because okay. they're great. Uh, All right. Well, look, cynicism has its benefits in comedy. I mean, uh, yeah. That, so, I mean, cynicism is is a, an important part of, of the comedic brain. I mean, or else, you, what else? You, you, we're professional complainers, right? Well, I more listen to these books uh, for the... Uh, I guess the to help deal with the rejections and and you know when you and it's going to sound oh, yeah. hokey, but like when you hear this very famous story of Thomas Edison failing ten thousand times before yes. he invented the light bulb, or Michael Jordan getting cut from his high school basketball team, or uh, Abraham Lincoln losing like tw- what fifteen elections in yeah. a row, or the band uh, Boston getting uh, rejected by every record label uh, yeah and you know to a much smaller degree but even though they are my favorite band rat uh, they were rejected by every major every not even major record label four or five times yeah think of all the rats out there that and and all those other things that didn't go that last they went oh, i'm just gonna give up now they went through the the, the, they did the 15 reject oh, my limit is 15 i'm after 15 rejections i'm done yeah Ah, really? Because at 16, you would have had a record deal and then become one of the most iconic rock bands in uh, in history. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you can't, that's the dip. Re- everyone should, every comic should read the dip or at least fucking go on, go get the audio book. Go on YouTube. YouTube. I mean, yeah. that's the great thing. And I, I believe in paying artists. So I buy every self-help book on iTunes. It's, it's fucking three yeah. or four bucks. But audible.com yeah, but you can most of these audiobooks it's crazy to me that they're on youtube and full yeah they are uh you know i don't know I, sometimes I you test it out on youtube and then maybe you buy the hard copy or you you know but that's how it is by the way and 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 that also does help that that author because you it's like people stealing music well more people go to the concert you know yeah, like well, when they hold live events and things like that, seminars, you know, probably a ton of people steal Tony Robbins stuff off YouTube. Well, they're probably going to go see him live when they get a chance because that's familiar in their brain. Like, so, you know, it all helps. But yeah, yeah ideally, you want to you don't want to steal from artists. Yeah, I mean, I just want to, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure uh, Seth Godin's going to survive without my 499 on iTunes, but <laughs> yeah. I, I do it anyway, uh, just because I get yeah. value out of it. And, uh, you, you know, I think it also depends on how you, I, like I was raised in a 
uh, my parents were awesome, uh, but they, uh, especially my mom, might not have been the most Tony Robbins-like uh, thought process. It was kind of like uh, in dealing with any person, everyone's out to fuck you. So whenever uh, I deal with someone, uh, I, I go in negative already. Like I'm sure when I met you, I was like, okay, what's this guy's angle? <laughs> oh, I don't think I don't. Well, I don't remember that at all. I mean, you were. We were but I mean, we I'm got just, along great always. But yeah, I know. What I'm you mean. kind of kidding with, with with you because you're so fucking nice. But like, uh, you know, I guess I go into even with roast battle. I, I probably went into that show going, this show will never last, but I'll just fuck around on it. Oh, 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 yeah, that cynicism, man. I mean, that. by the way, that's one of the things that makes you great. Your cynicism is, I mean, I remember, like, there was all kinds of mics we did, you know? I, I wish I could remember all of them. There was, I remember a lot of them in North Hollywood. I'd always see Liquid you. Zoo. Yeah, you'd always uh, have the hockey shirt on. Michael's Pub. Yes, Michael's Pub. Yeah, all those. And, I mean, you were the saving grace of every open mic. Like, because... You, everyone knew like, oh, this is going to be shit and there's no one listening. But we knew that when you went up there, it was going to be funny for all the comics and for the audience. And you were just up there ripping on everything. And it was, I mean, that was literally the only fun thing about the mic scene. And so I feel bad for people coming up now because they don't have an Earl. Like, I hope someday they'll I be hope Earl. I they but, don't. Uh, I, look, there, there should be. Uh, somebody needs to, you need to have like a training program. But it retarded uh, my progress because yeah. after a while, I think I got uh, too comfortable. Like someone once came oh. up to me and said, Earl, you're the Dane Cook of open mics. <laughs> and well, I, yeah. they meant it as a compliment. Like, you know, you you not kill but you do very well in rooms where most people don't and i i think i yeah. stayed in those rooms too long because because you were crushing and like that was so so great but you weren't taking maybe you, earlier on you could have taken the chance on going to bigger and bigger things absolutely because like think about it like very you you could have right you're one of those people right away could have walked into a uh a bunch of clubs and done that same stuff and just written everybody's laughing at a good mistake. time and yeah so but you you eventually did but you, you know you look now you see these people there's there's a few comics out there who you know when we are doing open mics they're still doing the same mics and they're comfortable with that and they never leave it like i i a buddy of mine did, did that he's just he doesn't ever want to do anything else i i you know i i brought him out on the on the road and and um took him on some things but he didn't really he was like no nah, i just want to do yeah, it's like the open mics. Well, I think it depends why you're in it. Like, uh, to some people I started with, uh, they're in it for just a social. Right. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily want to make it. And, you know, what's making it? It's different for everybody. Well, but, yeah. you know, to some people, I think whenever, and I've said this before, but like, you know, Jim Carrey made $20 million for Cable Guy. You know, it was, oh, he was a stand-up comic living in his car. And so I think so many comics started to go, oh, I'm struggling. I want to make $20 million. So they just do it for the money. <laughs> right. But I think guys like you and me and, and many of our friends, if you do comedy in L.A. for longer than six months, uh, you're in it for the right reason. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I agree with that. I mean, well, I think there's some people who can maybe stick around a little longer. But yeah, if you've made it through, you're active and you're doing six months, You've already taken all the the pain and the hits, and if you're sticking with it longer than that, yeah, you're you're doing it. You're you're now in it because you're a comic, not because oh, 
Well, my agent said I should do stand-up because it would be good for a sitcom. Like, oh, fuck, really? Well, yeah, I know a person like that right now, and they don't do stand-up because it's it's not their true love. They're not going to. They just do it because, you know, their managers, hey, you know, you, oh. it's a good way to be seen. And uh, those people burn out. Yeah. You know, but, you know, not to say you have to do comedy. For, this is my 16th year that. You have to do comedy for 16 years before you make it or whatever. Well, uh, until you know, your, you, you think you might know your point of view, but it takes a, it takes a good 10, 15 years before you start even realizing your point of view. I think you know? it pr took me at least nine. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I started out being a dirty comic, like, cause I love dice clay. And I mean, like, yeah, I did. I do that too. I, I started out, you know, getting drunk. Uh, Stan Hope has always been like my favorite comic. I, I, I love Stan Hope. Right. And I, so I started, I, the more I got into stand up, I started like drinking. I'm not a drinker, like, man. Like my parents didn't really drink. I don't have, nobody in my entire like extended family has like, is an alcoholic. Like it's just not in the, so I, I, I couldn't do that. Like I would go on stage and I'd be drunk and it's like, that's not me. But I just, I wanted to be like stand up so bad, man. Just God. So, and I was, I was being super dirty and it just wasn't really me. You know, it wasn't exactly what I was meant to do. And it took me a while to find that voice and do like the improvised character stuff that I was like doing. And that's just, that kind of became my point of view. And that, that led to set list, you know, like that, it just takes a while. You have to be true to yourself, but along the way, everybody's going to have that, that sort of thing that keeps them in the game where they want to be like somebody Oh yeah, and then you you find your uh, your your natural. I mean, Adam Sandler told me it took him seven to eight years. Yeah, and that's him. Uh, you know, so yeah, not to say it takes everyone that, but uh, you know, it's a tough yeah, game. Yeah, there's some people that, that did find it fast, and there's some people who never find it. <laughs> there are there. Are. I know most of them. <laughs> Someone shows with them. Yeah. No. You they know. gotta step up. Yeah, but I mean, you you know, it, it works out in the end. I mean, you know, you've through uh, incredibly hard work found set list and prompter and uh, yeah, and 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 by the way, uh, you know, Paul Provenzo and I partnered up uh, early on in that show, and uh, I love you know, him, and he's amazing, man, and he he is a real producer, like he knows what he's doing. I mean, I would say one of the highlights of my comedy life is he was at roast battle i think yeah maybe two months ago and i obviously knew who he was i'm a huge fan and he like came up to me and was like i don't know who you are but they can't do this show without you <laughs> and it's like wow that's like yeah i, man. I walked away like the same thing with yeah. overton like totally man uh, that's what i'm into comedy for to impress people like that well, that's, I mean, that's a huge acknowledgement, right? When you get, because, yeah. And Provenza, I mean, he's a legendary comic, real comic, funny as fuck, great producer. He's a guy who just makes amazing stuff happen, you know? And he also has an eye for for really cool, innovative, good shows. I mean, Green Room. Oh, my God. Fucking Green Room. I mean, now it's being copied all over, but he was the pioneer for, like, actually making that happen. I mean, he had comics only. And that was like the real early, like real conversations with comics. You know? It's like a good comics unleashed. It's <laughs> funny. Is that real? Is that show still happening? Do you think? I like, think I'm the only one to not book it. 
That's my credit, <laughs> is I haven't done it. It's now a credit to not be on that show? Yeah, because everyone's done it. I've seen open micers on that show. Oh, God. And I love the setups. <laughs> the setups Stevie Wonder could see. Oh. Hey, Earl, I hear you like hockey. Yeah. Well, yeah, I told you in the green room 10 minutes ago. Yeah. So, But I love Byron Allen. I'm, I'm, you do? Well, I, I admire people for strange reasons. Like, uh, I admire anyone in this business who makes money uh, because I realize how hard it is it to, is make, hard to money. make money. You know, I admire Carrot Top. Is it my kind of comedy? No. But this guy's making millions in Vegas. Hold on. Can I... Carrot Top. Here's a a t Todd Glass turned me around on Carrot Top. Because you know how it's like as a comic, it's easy to rip on Carrot Top. We all like comics turn and go, oh yeah, Carrot Top. Because we think he's getting easy laughs and stuff. Todd, I think, thought that way too. He worked with him in Vegas. This is, this is by the way, like over a decade ago. But he goes, I think I had said something negative, like, oh yeah, that's not sound like something Carrot Top would do. And he goes, hey, he goes, when you were a kid, didn't you love the idea of like inventing really silly, crazy stuff like that? And I was like, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I loved that. He goes, that's like a real, that's like your essence of like childhood silliness. Right. He goes, Carrot Top made a living on that and still does it, like, and still puts up with people that hate on him, and he fucking is passionate about it. And I went, oh, my God, you're right. I'm an asshole. Like, I get it. I got, not, I'm not saying I've, I haven't watched anything Carrot Top's done in a, a decade, but I I have a huge admiration for him. Like, I wish I did watch some of the stuff. I don't know. He's uh, Wait, doing live Vegas shows, I guess, now. Are you telling me you didn't watch Chairman on the Board on Lazy Desk? I did Desk? not watch Chairman on the Board. Uh, a lot of people didn't. The funniest thing I'm sure about that movie was the Norm MacDonald interview. On oh, Letterman. On uh, Letterman. I mean, I, I, that I've watched probably 20 times. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's one Chairman of the greatest of the things board. that's ever happened in comedy. B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> And by the way, every time I watch it, it's no there's no diminishing return on how yeah. amazingly funny it is. That's why well, I, they just had the White House uh, correspondence uh, dinner this weekend, which is basically roast oh. battle of the political world. Yeah. And I still, my favorite one by far is Norm Macdonald's from like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. Where he was uh, essentially oh. roasting Clinton and he's doing like, I think Dick Morris had just gotten a, a sexual harassment charge. And he's like ripping into Dick Morris, uh, you know, sitting next to two girls. And like, that's like, and Larry Wilmore, who did it, uh, called Obama the N word. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's so, right. Obama, you my. Yeah, that's right. Not the first person named Larry to call Obama the N word. <laughs> well, that, that's, uh, I mean, oh, man. Yeah, that, that's, I didn't watch that one, but it's all right. I mean, I, I, uh, like Norm set the bar so yeah. high to me. Oh, and, uh, and Stephen Colbert had a, a fantastic oh, yeah. one. But, but his was like, I like, you know, Norm just has that. I don't give a fuck if you like this or not. I'm going to do it. Right. He doesn't care. I, I just did an interview. So we're doing, uh, we're doing set list. We're doing actually a, like a competition style set list at the laughing skull festival in, in, uh, Atlanta in June. And I just did this interview and the lady goes, you know, she goes, uh, yeah. She goes, like, for instance, she goes, um, you know, there's some comedy that I don't find funny. Like, I watched Norm MacDonald's roast on Comedy Central. I think it was the Bob Saget roast. We bombed on yeah. purpose. Well, what he did was the greatest thing in the world. But she goes, yeah, and I didn't find it funny at all. And I go, oh, I go, I don't think you, you don't 
understand the context of that, right? Like, you, do you know what he was doing? She goes, no, he was just, they were just such old cheesy jokes. And I was like, oh, you don't understand. Like, when you're a comic and you're starting, like, you probably grew up with, like, really shitty joke books. And you'd look at them and they're really terrible and they don't make sense anymore. But there were joke books written in the 50s, but there was a lot of those put out. So they're out there. And what I go, what he was doing is he was sort of making fun of the joke book itself, but using it to roast, to roast as if someone would, he was almost like playing a character of somebody who'd really do do yeah. that. Of like, you have cauliflower ear, like just, you're like a flower, cauliflower. Like those, those were written in the fifties and they probably weren't funny then. Hey, Cloris Leachman, I hear you're a vegan, but to me, you'll always be full of baloney. <laughs> Bob Saget has the oh grace God. of a gazelle. Uh, you're really for the birds, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the funniest thing that's ever been done on those on those roasts. Because, like, I prefer and I and those, uh, I love those. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Jeff Ross is. Oh my God. Uh, No one can do it better than him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was risky. But I grew up with like the Dean Martin roast. Yeah. Which were edgy, but yeah, they man. didn't swear. Like Don Rickles to me is the greatest ever. I mean, his uh, roast of Sammy Davis was like, now it would seem tame, but granted, this was like the early 70s. And he's looking at Sammy Davis going, either you're black or you fell into a bucket of M&Ms. It's like, what the fuck? Like, oh. and like Foster Brooks is. Oh I, my God. Yeah. If you want to roast and you want to know how to do it, I have tried to turn everyone on to this. It's five minutes of Foster Brooks roasting Don Rickles. To me, now a lot of people weren't into Foster Brooks's like character, the drunken. I think it's the greatest five minute roast setup. Oh, I have ever. to watch that. Oh my god, dude, it is so fun. And and I bet Rickles was just in he was hysterics. In yeah, it's so fun to watch him. He's so he's the most joy filled dude. Like he's unbelievable, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but the Comedy Central roasts are great. I just, uh, you know, now it seems like. I think they're amazing, yeah. But I mean, like the Justin Bieber roast was great, but it seemed like other than Chris D'Elia, because I know they're friends, it was just a bunch of A-level comics roasting this guy they didn't really know. But like back then, the, the Dean Martin roast, like they were all best friends. Oh, yeah, they were all drinking together all week yeah. long and then doing this thing. And, call you know, just. You know, the, the things that they would say, the, the racial things, which is kind of how I, oh man, you know, foreign to my house hater character for Roast Battle was just oh. like, you know, Wilt, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, you can come to my house. I got a big sign for you. Come on in. Plenty of grits. <laughs> it's just, now it seems tame, but like in 69 no, then, yeah. when he said it, yeah. it was like, you know oh man just, that's great that was like your inspiration for that because th those guys were really they played hard and they were all the great thing is they were all in on the joke and when you do when you're at the haters table and when, when you're at your most racist everybody is in on the joke and it's just so fun it's like it's again it's like creating that community well i would know? hope that you know i in i'm assuming on comedy central it'll be a little toned down because there's a thing they have called sponsors, uh, but uh, yeah. So you mean it's going to be uh, not just Speedweed? It's going to be other sponsors on Comedy Central? Well, well, I you know I you know I don't know they I I'm not uh, in the loop. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, 
I, I'm assuming uh, I will be spoken to by people going, hey, you know. Um, <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that translates. And like, you know, the audience has to have a little bit of prep, I think, to 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 know that you're not just some guy like for the person tuning in for the first time. Yeah. As long as they're set up to your character, man, like they'll get it just like they did on those on those Friars Club roasts. Like they'll they'll get it'll just take a while. And by the way, you're going to get a lot of heat of, oh of, of PC people and stuff at first, and then people will get it and everyone will defend you because you're making fun of, it's just like, it's like people who try to like, uh, um, shut down the onion over something. It's like, do you realize that satire is making fun of the thing and not making fun of the person that's being targeted? Yeah. I mean, I would hope no one would think I'm serious, right. but, uh, there have been, uh, you know, I've told this before, but like there was one pretty big black dude, uh, who came up to me after a show and be like, Hey man, what's with the racist bullshit? No. I'm like, Oh man, it's a character like Archie Bunker. And he looks at me and goes, who the fuck is Archie Bunker? <laughs> and I'm like, Hey Moses, this guy wants to talk to you. Oh man. And in oh. New York, uh, the first, uh, festival we did was the New York comedy festival. And this was when I did it with Whitney Rice. And she's, you know, super oh, talented, yeah. really funny and beautiful. Looks like Julia Roberts. Yeah, totally. Uh, we They had us on stage, <laughs> this uh, table with a big sign in front that said whites only. Uh, oh. It, it might have been in hindsight. Uh, oh, I, I was there when I, I saw one of those. Uh, it was, uh, I don't think that, I think the crowd. <laughs> too much was like, do we laugh at them or are we supposed to not like them? <laughs> so there I think we definitely learned a lesson of like they're at least for the house haters, uh there's gotta be a, a way to introduce us where it's he's part of the show. It's basically my job to be the fullback and open up the hole for Moses to be I mean Moses has got to be likable anyway. Yeah, because he's oh, so yeah. he's you know, super likable. But I yeah, mean, you, this, for you, you're, they're gonna have a little graphic on the screen that's gonna say, you know, haters table or right. designated hater or whatever when you're speaking. So, like, so then the context is there. I hope so, because uh, you know, I I don't want you know, I think we all do comedy to make people laugh at the end of the day, and uh, I don't want to upset people, uh, but I certainly realize you know with the style of humor. Uh, Oh, I, man. Yeah, you, know, you can't think about that shit, though. You can't think about upsetting people. You have to just think about how important it is because it's bringing everyone together. Like, that's the amazing thing about I that. I think it does. L listen, when every like here you have when you're when you're in the audience and you're sitting around every is every culture is represented in that room and you're doing this like fake racist character. It, it's just. Everyone is laughing at that because you're diffusing all the tension that just exists as human beings. We're we're still animals, you know. Like uh, uh, from lizards on up, um, groupism exists in our DNA, and racism is just another form of groupism. So it's all it's in our DNA. People have all these these weird issues, and then oh, you can't talk about it. Blah blah blah. Well, then you make these jokes, and it like makes it like oh, you know what? It's okay. No one's being racist. It's the opposite of that. Well, it's like almost parodying someone like Trump. Who, right. Uh, you, you know, and I think with, uh, you know, when it's on Comedy Central, I'll, I'll maybe skew away a little bit from the, the race stuff and like maybe lampoon someone like Trump, you know, where he's on record as saying, well, you can't be a 10 if you're a woman and you have no tits. 
uh, <laughs> you know, that's his word. I mean, oh, exactly, you, you know, calling yeah. Rosie O'Donnell a fat pig, uh, you know, Carly Fiorina. You should look at her face. Well, look at your face, dude. Uh, I mean, it's not like you're a model. Let that look, man. Be unleashed like you are. Let them give you the pullback note. I love, I love seeing you unleashed on that because it's it, like you're just you've got the character down so well, and it's so fun, and I, everyone gets it. Now, well, the TV audience, the TV audience, there's going to be a tons of people who don't get it. They're going to be like, oh, wait, is he really racist? Like, no, people figure it out. People figure it out. get some hate mail. I'm going to probably man. get yeah. some uh, headlining gigs in the South. But. <laughs> well, look, man, uh, you, you get some hate mail. You got yourself uh, an incredible career. I mean, that's... Uh, that just that that can only help. I well, mean, I mean, I learned uh, a long time ago. Uh, you know, I used to probably the first six or seven years of comedy. I if I was in a room full of a hundred people, and ninety nine were laughing, but one wasn't. I'm like, I'm bombing. I I, I I get that. But yeah. now I realize it's yeah. you know not everyone's gonna like you. Yeah, you you can't have to detach from that shit. Like, but I I remember that feeling of like, oh, the one person you do not want. Like, for instance, uh, like when I find out that uh, like if I lose followers on something, I'm now happy about it. I feel really good anytime. I feel better now when I lose followers than when I gain followers, and here's why, because. Every time that happens, I go, oh, fuck, this is great. I'm finding my audience. Like, I want the th the herd thinned out. I don't want people following me for a, a stupid reason. I want them to follow me, like, because they like my work or they like what I'm doing, whatever. Like, you know, if, if they're following me for some artificial reason, then, and they unfollow, then great. Then I'm finding my audience. You don't want it. What, what, the worst thing would be have a, a random crowd of people who have no idea who you are. And now you're you're performing or you're doing some of them. That's that's not your audience, man. So that's how it that's how it happens. Yeah, no, you gotta. I I think that's why I love guys like Rogan and you know. Yeah, because they don't give a shit about that stuff. But he, yeah, he's piped into. Okay, these are the type of people who are gonna like my act. I'm gonna cater to them. No, and if apologies. you don't like it, suck it. Yeah, Marin too. Uh, totally. Everly, you know. Uh, and I'll go with uh, Hinchcliffe to bring in like a younger, yeah. Uh, you know, this is a guy who you know, you know. I like roasting people. I like because we come from a similar background in terms of we both love pro wrestling. So yeah, I would say almost like what he does on stage and on his podcast is uh, like a pro wrestling heel. You know, cocky like a Rick Rude type of a dicky character. He's found people who like that. He markets it to him and. He's on Netflix. Man, so, yeah. uh, and I, I really loved that special. I thought it was the most original, coolest. Uh, to do it in one shot like that, one take, incredible. But that's what you have to do nowadays Fuck. is stuff so like innovative. that. So innovative. Yeah, you do have to do You have to innovate now. You like, can't just do it how everyone did it. I want to do a Netflix special. And it, everyone I've told this idea to. Now, you're a creative guy. You tell me. This is my, my you know, I recently had Eric Bischoff on. Uh, Eric Bischoff, one of the geniuses in the pro wrestling uh, business. He was the only man to ever defeat the WWF in ratings for two years. And I pitched him an idea. He didn't really like it. He's friends with Hulk Hogan, so I thought he would oh, go okay. for it. You know, Hulk Hogan got into a little spat when he told oh, yeah, his that's uh, right. daughter not oh, to date right. a, a certain group of uh, ethnicity. That's right. I remember that. Well, wait, so what's the show? I'll take words that rhyme with bigger, Alex. <laughs> well, I told Eric Bischoff, I'm like, hey, you know Hulk Hogan. I've got an idea that will instantly 
get him back into the game. People will love him. And he gets up on the gets on the edge of the couch. Like he's into it. Like this guy's a creative guy. So it, it I'm like, here's what you do. Obviously, he said the N-word. Didn't paint himself in a good way towards black wrestling fans, black people in general. So the next WWF pay-per-view, and he's on the edge of the couch. Like, he's processing everything I'm saying to him. I'm like, yeah, you do a Royal Rumble battle royal where it's Hulk Hogan and every black wrestler on the roster. Ah. And they bring out chains and stuff and whip them. <laughs> Oh my god! And he's on the edge of his seat, and he's like, "And then what?" That's so I'm like, top. uh, gee, I don't know. That's that's <laughs> that's the that's kind of it. That's the craziest. Like that's so over the top. Oh so my here's god. my Netflix idea. Okay. Now you've seen a lot of stand-up specials. Dane Cook live at the Garden, uh, Dice Clay live at the Garden. Uh, you know, Paul Mooney, Laugh Factory, Sold Out Laugh Factory, Tony Hinchcliffe, One Shot, Ice yeah. House. I want to do a Netflix special called No Shot, <laughs> where it's me like at the comedy store in front of seven people. Oh, my God. Nobody's done. All right. No one's done that. No one's done it. I, I will say this. Uh, th by the way, this is not similar, but uh, talk about innovation. Maria Bamford did do a special in front of just her mom and dad right. in her living room, and it was definitely one of the best specials I've ever seen. Uh, no one has ever done a special to a small audience, and that is the water you that you thrive in. But so I think... That would be so funny, man. It It's really book ending the struggle of an unknown comic like all they've done for the most part now i used to open up for rob schneider so i've played in front of big crowds but they were there for him so can you imagine uh, and now here's the best part so i do 45 minutes to an hour whatever it is yeah that's irrelevant and then i get the light at my own special like i'm told to wrap it up right and i bring in another comic Ah, and they just show for him or her for a couple minutes, but like that's how much of a struggle I have in stand up. That my own special, Bring I'm basically the warm up act for somebody else. Wow, that's fucking funny. You, by the way, what a great. So you're talking about you're introducing like, like I'm doing for That's my time. Is it uh, a big comic you're introducing or? What? I don't like, know. I haven't. Oh. To be honest with you, like I get a lot of late night spots at the comedy <laughs> store, which I love. I love performing at the store, but, 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 you and know. you. But usually, there's not a lot of people. So every time I've said this, it's gotten a huge laugh. Like, hey, what if this was my Netflix special? And it's two people over there, like three people over there in the dark. One guy passed out in the front. Empty beer cans in front of me, and I just think that, you know, if you were watching Netflix or or just TV in general, you're flipping channels and you see a stand-up special with virtually no one in the room, you're going to stop and watch. Okay, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yes and this because... Please do. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, here's my thoughts. As a, I'm going to pretend that I'm an executive for Netflix. Here's my big problem is the, the human brain, we are wired to, in order to enjoy something. We do have to have that that resonance, that laughter, that echo. Right. Just, That's right? the problem. But no, I got it. I got, I got the solution for this. Um, since we do have to have that, that's such an, a big element. Even if you are crushing, um, you're still going to engage a lot of people, but they're still get, like, 
th- there's a disconnect from that laptop. Here's here's how you do it. Let's say you're you're shooting this at let's say it's it's midnight in the OR. There's only ten people, but in the main room, you have a sold out show watching it on a screen, completely isolated. But at least that the that that audience is mic'd enough to where even though you're not connected to them, Earl's n- in no way you don't see them, you don't hear them. It's all soundproofed, but they're watching you and they're enjoying it, but you're just interacting with these right. seven to 10 people. See, that would be amazing. Like I would, find, I would love that by the way. And, and, and also that is really an innovative idea. Nobody's done. Cause no one would think, cause also the worst fear of any comic, you, you like, you just like, basically this is where all those open mics that you stayed in too long helped you. You built up this courage where you were just like, I don't give a fuck. Like I'll, I'll go up there and destroy it. Like you never worried about it. So no. you're so good at that. Like, I, I mean, I, I have, I've always was terrified over like those, Oh, really? I'm performing for seven. Pi- oh fuck, man. Like just, but you just tear it up and you found a way to, to just mold seven. It could be the worst seven people, by the way, just, it could be like seven people who just got a prisoner hiding from cops. It's just, my crowd. And, and and not listening and you're going to engage them and it's going to be a great fucking show. So I love it. Do it. Please do that. I'm trying, you know, it's like, uh, but the, you know, hopefully like, you know, you take something like, bro, you know, I don't have many TV credits. So, you know, hopefully something like roast battle. Oh, you know what? You got any other ideas, dude? You know, like I pitched dude, Jason Reitman an idea. Yeah. About a, a don't, by the way, don't pit, don't say your pitches if you don't want them uh, lifted in I, some way. I don't think anyone's going to lift right. this okay. idea. Okay. So, so, go ahead. So, Jason Reitman, big friend of the comedy uh, yeah, store and Fantastic Rose director. Oh, I mean, well, his dad to me, I mean, probably my top highlight ever of Roast Battle. And we're talking, I got to. When Ivan Reitman came? Trade lines with Dave Chappelle. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, Jeff Ross, who's like a mentor to me to get to weekly when he's there, like match oh. or not match wits with him, but try to. When Ivan Reitman was there. I have shots of him laughing his ass off at you too. And someone told me after, like, he said to either Jason or someone, who's that guy over there? He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, he was laughing so hard. Like you. Yeah. But it's like, to me, like meatballs is like the perfect comedy and like younger kids are like, what is meatballs? Yeah, I know. They miss uh, out on that stuff, but damn it. It's good stuff. So Jason, when he, you know, I didn't talk to him a lot the first couple uh, times I met him and and he's like, dude, you got any ideas you want to pitch me right now? Oh, that's awesome. And I panicked. I'm like, I actually do have a hockey movie because I know he's a hockey guy. Mm. He, He grew up in Montreal which is like hockey, you know, oh, right, right. I, I, he was born in Montreal, grew up out here, but right. uh, I got this movie idea. That a lot of people shoot me down on, and it's, it's a movie called black eyes. And it's a movie about the first all black hockey team to win the Stanley cup. It's almost cool runnings meets porkies meets roots. Ooh, I like this, by the way, here's the thing. I like this. You take a, a minor league basketball team, they fold, go out of business. They all need jobs. They have no job Love skills. Love it already. It's, it's a little fast break, too, for you Gabe Kaplan fans out there. <laughs> that you know They have no job skills, but their athletic abilities. So they see an ad for a pro hockey team tryout. They're like, well, we're great athletes. Let's just play hockey. First scene of the movie, 
It's a one shot. That's what they call in the business a one shot. Ground level, the ice hockey arena doors open, and you just see a basketball bouncing on the ice. Like, that's how clueless they are. Now, at the same time, the Grand Dragon of the KKK gets fired. <laughs> what? He gets fired for not raising enough funds. He looks in the classified ads. Hockey coach needed. Now he thinks, great. I get to work with white people. It's perfect. We get to beat a black puck all day with a stick. This is my dream job. <laughs> so he's on the cell phone walking into the locker room the first day. He's talking to whoever. Yeah, it's a great job, honey. I, I can't wait to work. And as he's opening the door to the locker room, he's like, the best part is I don't have to work with. It opens up the door. It's all black hockey players getting ready. Ah. Uh, now that's all I got. And, and then Jason, he says, I don't have to work with nobody mm, that I don't want to. And I, I'll mm, be glad to work with these guys. Um, now I got Rob Schneider as the coach. Okay. Maybe right, Mark uh, Furman, idea. if he's available. I don't know if his I, acting chops are. I, I, I think I think he's, he's CIA. But the look, uh, the look on Jason Reitman's face when I was pitching him this, <laughs> it was very much like Eric Bischoff's look. He, he got, oh my god! Because you could tell. You know, he's always looking for new By ideas. The way, but in the beginning, he must have been completely. So when you said it's a it's a basketball team. And right. now they got to play hockey. Like, everyone's engaged. Like, oh, my God, I love where you're going with this. He tilts his head to me, and he, I could tell. Here's one of the top young producer, directors, yeah. creators. Got a show on Hulu. It's huge. You know, thank you for not smoking. Uh, Juno. Juno. I mean, he's the, he's the real deal. The real deal. It's not like he's uh, an intern on no. uh, a Lorenzo Lamas spec pilot. Paid his dues and uh, won some awards. Yeah, he could have just been lazy, lived off his dad's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yep. And so it was so neat to watch the career. It's like I could see his brain spinning. Okay, <laughs> who's going to finance this? <laughs> Nobody. And he's like, you got anything else? I'm like, uh, no, that's, I'm a one-shot guy, Jason. Oh, but uh, oh, God. Well, look, uh, certainly the opening pitch of that is fantastic. Well, let um, me work on the Netflix special. Uh, yeah, dude, that's I, I love that. That would be so fun to see. And you got the perfect place to do it. In the original, you set it up how... Now, Gerard did his special in the, in the OR. Ari Shafir as well. Who did? Uh, Ari Shafir. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. So so you you that's right. And they did talk about it. I, I think already did talk about how it's the, you know, the t toughest room in, in Oh, absolutely. comedy and all that stuff. But you set it up you're 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 going to have a little bit of a different setup. You're going to say, "Well, it's not only the toughest room in comedy, it's made a million times tougher when there's seven people." And that's what happens. It you show some some clips of late night spots and you know there's seven, eight people and I love it, man. All right, let's green light this now. Well, I know we got to wrap up at some point too. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, my uh, we're almost at like the one hour forty minute mark. So is that right? Yeah. Well, this is what I want it to be, though. I didn't have I one like planned question for you. Yeah, we just we just uh, were uh, having fun. Start. We probably lost any females when we were, were right breaking down UFC three. Yeah, we lost a lot of females right then. Sophie probably turned in. And it's like, oh great. Uh, oh, uh, who's Andre uh, Olovsky? Uh, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> um, so this uh, is where. Sophie. Uh, we tell people where they can find you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I'm going to say this since this is dropping on this Monday. Uh, come tomorrow uh, between 8 and 10, the Comedy Store, uh, main room entrance. 
for the new paid regular hall series. Uh, it's going to be an awesome exhibit. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Troy Conrad's with an S and everything else. I'm Troy Conrad. Yeah. And, and Troy, I'm easy to find out there. He's you sure are. And I do. Yeah. And I do. Uh, I do. Uh, headshots, stu- right? Studio photography, portraits. Uh, I do headshots for people. Uh, and uh, I love doing I love photography. So, uh, you know, so hit me up if you need a good photographer. Uh, and let me tell you I'll this. Make I you mean, famous. Yes. Me and Troy are very good friends. And I'm not just saying this. You look at the quality of the photographs he takes at Roast Battle. None of us have makeup on. None of us have a hairstylist. I mean, Troy, uh, if you look at the pictures he did with Olivia Grace, uh, he did actually, Troy did the fight poster for me and Olivia. That's right. Um, I think the first one was outside my name on the wall at the comedy store. That's right. And then due to, uh, let's just say circumstances beyond our control, our battle was delayed. And then Troy right. took a picture of us in the hallway where we're both holding boxing gloves. And, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, me and Olivia look like models. And, you know, that's right. That that's was a fun all one. Troy's photography. Well, yeah, look, uh, you can find uh, it on. I have a website, TroyCounterPhotography.com, which is basically just a portfolio of a bunch of stuff. You can find uh, some fun pictures there. And then the roast battle stuff, that's all over the place. You know, I, I would say for all the roast battle pictures I take. For now, I would just go to the you know the roast battle uh, Facebook Tumblr. page and Tumblr and all that stuff. Yeah, and uh, verbalviolence.tv. All of Troy's yeah. pictures are used. Uh, I, I'm telling you, if you are, and I have, I know I have some actors and actresses who listen to this. I don't get a dollar for saying this. If you need headshots, Troy's the guy. He. Will. You know what? I'm going to say that too, and I'm not uh, being shy about it. I don't, I don't like any type of self promotion, but I'll say this: I'll get you the best, uh, best shots you had. And you know what? People don't know how much they do need good. If you look at, if you don't have current pictures, like that's, that's your, that's your persona to the world. Like that's who you, I I don't know if it was Seth Godin or someone else. I remember someone saying like your online persona, your website is not who you are now. It's who you want to be. It's, it's where you're going. That's, that's what your website should be. It's not where you are right now. You're, you're striving to be somewhere and that's what you want. So you want to look you want it to look epic. You want to. So, so most people look, even if you don't get them through me, find a fucking way, you but know, please Maybe yeah. go through Troy because, uh, you know, a lot of Thank actors you. are like, well, you don't even need headshots anymore for auditions. You don't No. But how do you think you got the audition? They saw your pictures online, you know? So jo- Josh Nasser said a brilliant thing. Cause I, I, I did uh, pictures for him and we did some really cool experimental stuff with like, so we just did some really cool, um, different type of stuff. Cause he had, he's like, I got great headshots. I don't need headshots, but he's a really smart dude. And he works, he has a TV show. He's, uh, what is on? What was this? What's Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he goes, I, I have, he goes, I have the headshots. I, I want stuff. That's just really cool photos that i can post and stuff he's like i'm friends with a lot of casting directors and stuff like that and you know that uh that gets me out there like that's more valuable to me right now than headshots which i got and uh so we did that and those his are coming out really soon we did a we did a shot with a bunch of with him surrounded by 10 lam- red lamborghinis right and then we black and whited the photo i gave he's holding a paint roller and then the photo's black and white but then you see where he all these red streaks on the cars where he painted the cars red, like he basically colorized the cars with this right. roller, just like little strips of the of the cars. Really cool shit that we did. So that kind of stuff uh, is really fun. But yeah, hit me up. Please do it because it's I can't emphasize this enough. Like his 
you know, you got to bear in mind at the comedy store when he's taking these pictures, usually after midnight on a Tuesday, you know, no one has makeup on or we didn't just get out of the shower and have a hairstylist crank our hair out. And we all look amazing. It's due to Troy. So uh, follow Troy, Thank Instagram, you. Troy Conrad's with an S everywhere else. Twitter, Facebook, Troy Conrad, Troy Conrad Photography dot com. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, get, get on it, guys, because if you're an actor, or actress, model, you know, you are who your headshot is. That's right. And, and by the way, next time I, I come back, we're going to talk rock and roll because uh, we have never got to do that. And you and I have a lot of similar, you know, I grew up with the with the Ronnie James Dio and the oh. Scorpions and uh, all that. So a lot, we have a lot of stories about that. Uh, so next oh, time. please. I mean, I crazy stuff. The last time I cried, I'll, I'll, it's probably a sad way to end it. But uh, I was, uh, you know, I used to date the manager of Motorhead, the female manager. Uh, they have two managers. I assume. Uh, and uh, I will just say Shelly. I don't think she wants her last name being used. And so, you know, we had had a rough breakup, but she called me up when Lemmy died. And, uh, you know, we mm. buried the hatchet. And she said, Earl, you got to be the usher because you're going to be the only oh, guy wow. who knows who any of these guys are. You're going to have to sit oh, Metallica, shit. Rob Halford, uh, Dave Grohl. Uh, wow. It was Gene Simmons, oh, D. Snyder. It was... A mislash, uh, and I was told certain people didn't want to be by each other, like Gene Simmons and Dee Snyder. You have to sit them separately. That's so smart that they had you there because you're the guy who knows I all was that the guy. Shit. And then two weeks Holy later, shit. Jimmy Bain, the bass player from Dio, died. And yeah. Wendy Dio, Ronnie's wife, called Shelly and said, oh. hey, get that guy Earl back. He knew oh, who everyone was. God. But for Lemmy's funeral, uh, he's buried at uh, Forest Lawn yeah. in the Valley. Yeah. And... Lemmy is buried directly across from Dio. Wow. And, you know, I was looking at Lemmy, and Lemmy's got a great display with his cowboy hat and I think a bottle of Jack. Uh, wow. And then I turned around and saw Dio's. It, it, it's only Dio would have such an amazing headpiece. It's like this massive wall wow. uh, with the devil horns. And they, they had to like, <laughs> when, Wendy Dio was telling me they had to like petition to get the devil horns on the cemetery. Oh they, my God. I lost it. Oh no, I'm, yeah, I'm, it was just I'm like, getting right uh, it was just like, it was oh. just amazing. So yeah, Dio is, Incredible, uh, man. God, I wish, I mean, he is a legend, but I wish he was more popular with just, common folk yeah uh, but god he's such a legend though oh man i mean when i saw it was who was it iron maiden dio and motorhead at the long beach uh arena oh. and you know rock stars are like comics when you're not on stage you don't really care what's going on on stage you know with another act uh and when dio went to sing every member from iron maiden and every member from motorhead went and watched his whole set because i mean that's the respect that he had and uh wow. and this was when he was a little older this is like maybe 2003 or something and it wow. just and every celebrity backstage left what they were doing to watch him because wow, it's, it's a good drinking game i don't drink you don't drink watch the ronnie dio video mystery and every time he does a wacky hand gesture take a shot <laughs> You'll be a shit face before the <laughs> second chorus. It's always a mystery. And it'll do like some like bizarre, like magic thing. RJD. Guys, uh, Troy Conrad will be back to talk music, kiss, Vinnie Vincent invasion, rat. Uh, by the way, shout out to, uh, you know, in this Caitlyn Jenner world, I'd like to give a shout out to Mark Free, the lead singer of King Cobra, 
whose name is now Marcy Free, he was the OG transgendered person. So forget nice. Caitlyn Jenner. Mark Free. Marcy Free, I want you on this podcast. We'll break it down. Oh, yeah. And setlistshow.com. Oh, oh, yes. And if let's, you are in... Tell people about that. Uh, yeah. Setlist Show... Uh, as much as it. I love Roast Battle because I'm a part of it, selfishly, I'm always, I'm finally learned after 16 years to start plugging stuff you're involved in. Uh, and I've done a few setless shows. Uh, I remember one time I thought I killed and I walked off going, yeah, let's see anyone follow that. And then Rick Overton went on. And <laughs> I, two minutes after Rick Overton was doing it, I felt like I bombed. Uh, <laughs> setless is an amazing show to watch. It's just, uh, you see some of your favorite comics. Uh, in an environment. Like you've never seen them before. Well, you have to, because uh, I don't think we said this, you have to act like it's in your set already. Yeah, yeah you have to pretend as if it's everything's happening as normal. You can't and, be like, what's this? Yeah, and you're not allowed to direct to the audience, uh, well, for my next subject, it's going to be... Uh, right, right. You don't want to like... Re yeah, it sounds cheesy that way. You yeah. have to instantly... Uh, talk like you know whatever the subject is is something you've had in your act for 10 years yeah and it's you see things that you don't see like probably my favorite set list moment and i don't know if a lot of my fans know who this comic is but they should is uh, eric charles nielsen oh my god we were doing it io west uh upstairs he's room. on community by the way yeah yeah he's on community he's on a really funny commercial and he had uh, a borderline panic attack <laughs> Uh, because it's a tough show, and Eric's a very experienced uh, veteran comic. Veteran, and he walked off the stage and started apologizing. He goes, "I can't do this," because he thought in his mind he was bombing. And you, Troy, being the Tony Robbins Zen guru, <laughs> Jack Canfield, Seth Godin, <laughs> Marshall Silver Ooh. guru, said, "Just take a few minutes." Go up on stage and do it again. And, you know, Eric's like, I don't know how I would explain him to people. He's, uh, well, he's, uh, autistic. Uh, very Asperger's, I believe. High level, uh, functioning. Yes, autistic. High functioning. But, you know, uh, it, it's hard to, uh, deal with uh, autistic people in the moment at times sure. because they get Panicky. so in their head. Yeah. And uh, Troy was probably the only guy on planet Earth who could get Eric to go back on stage and then he killed. He went, uh, yeah, he actually, I just said, hey, hang tight. Maybe you're going to want to go up. And he goes, no, 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 I, I definitely don't want to. I go, well, just hang hang tight. And then right in the middle of somebody, I, I think right after uh, maybe three comics later, he goes, I, I want to go up now. Yeah. <laughs> and he came up and he was great. I think it was after watching me bomb for 10 minutes. <laughs> that was the uh, genesis of, you know, I can do it again. Uh, but uh, That was fun. I remember that moment. That was great. So go to set list. I mean, it's, if you like roast battle, you'll like set list. It's completely different. Uh, but it's very uh, similar in from the standpoint of in the moment. It's live theater, basically. Uh, yeah. it's, it's nothing's planned, or and Troy doesn't tell. Even though, like Troy's, we're great friends. He's he's not going to give me a heads up. Hey, Earl, this is what you know. You might want to prepare a joke about uh, polo. <laughs> right. Nobody uh, gets a hint. No one gets a hint, and it's so it, it's a great show, and it's not just in LA. It's all over the world. Uh, so setlist.com. Setlistshow.com. Setlistshow.com. Uh, please check that out. And uh, Troy Conrad Photography. I'm telling you, Troy's the real deal. And oh, you know thanks, me. Man. I don't plug a lot of people's stuff on this podcast because, you know, I don't find that much of value. But uh, And a quick shout out to uh, Stephen Piercy, the singer of Rat, the only singer of Rat, not 
whatever they're doing now with the drummer and four Mexican guys, uh, his company at Mike Knuckles provides the luxurious Mike Knuckles for the inappropriate Earl podcast. And I'd be remiss to say he's been with me on every episode from day one. The great Stevie Rochelle from Tuff T U F F provides the music to inappropriate Earl. And for you athletes out there, the two of you who listen to this show, if you're a hockey player, go on ProStockHockey.com. Unbelievable deals right now. You know, the hockey season's winding down. If you need gloves or sticks, huge deals going on. Great. Now I've turned into Fred from uh, Howard Stern plugging <laughs> things. So thank you, guys. You guys are the best. I only, you know, I don't make any money on this podcast. I do it so the fans can be exposed to uh, things that I like, uh, people I like. So uh, if you can leave a review on iTunes, that helps. You know, Joe Rogan has like literally 10,000 reviews of his podcast on iTunes. I have 100. So it helps move you up the charts in iTunes. If I'm up the charts, I get, you know, guests that you want to hear from. So uh, Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, iTunes, support daddy before I quit doing this and invest my millions elsewhere. <laughs>